Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. This last time, and I'm apologies that it may seem like I was under the cosh last week in terms of time. I was putting restraints on me because it's so hot. Thankfully, I've got a darker shirt this morning, Bob, so if I do, you know, drip through it, um, you're not going to see it as, as much, and it's short-sleeved, and a little bit more lighter and whatever, so anyway, we'll go for it, and hopefully there'll be no dancing, no dodgy moves. Anybody here last week? Anybody like my dance moves? I've got moves like Jagger. I've got moves like da- Jagger, but, <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll try and restrain ourselves this morning. I've got a word for you. I've got a word that hopefully will just help you in the um, next few weeks whilst we're away, whilst many of you are on summer break, schools are out. It does become a little bit more relaxed over the life of the church. There's not so many things that happen and we're going to be here every Sunday and I'd encourage you to come and, uh, you know, we don't cock out as a Christian, do we, over the summer period? And if we do, then we'll, we'll have trouble come September because uh, we've got to pick it all back up. But the point is, it just becomes the rhythm of life becomes a little easier. It's a little easier on the roads, isn't it? Because the schools are out and things just become easy. But I've got a word for you that I've really felt the Lord speak to me. And this is the title of it for those who are taking notes. Get ready. Get ready. And there are four places that I want to take you to today. Because we're going to be really quickly, we're going to journey through the early chapters of the book of Joshua. This word stirred in my heart because as many of you know, I lead the, or take a lead for our movement with regards to church planting. About three or four weeks ago, I had a, a team meeting here in my offices here. And I asked one of the team guys who's leading an incredible church in Warrington, planting churches, just terrific, wonderful, wonderful man of God. I love him dearly, Lucas Dewhurst. And I asked Lucas to just share a more devotional. And he began to just say how the Lord had taken him back to the word that was given to him at the very start of the church. And he used this word, and I won't go into all the message, prepare, prepared. And something leapt in my spirit as he said it. I was then distracted, so I needed to just listen to his message. But I was distracted by that word prepared because I knew the Lord was wanting to say something to me in that word. And immediately as he did that, my mind went back to, I think it would be about 1998. Some of you weren't even born then. Some of you were. But in 1998, the Lord gave me a message And the Lord gave me a message that I'm about to preach here today. And he said to me, I want you to go back to the notes. I had to go back all through my old notes and look at those four points from the life of Joshua. I pretty much knew them in my heart. And I even remembered the last time I preached it. I've never preached this message in arena because I wasn't in arena then. We came in the year 2000. But I remember a number of churches that I preached this message in Back in 1998, I don't know whether there's some significance that it's 20 years ago, but it would be 20 years ago. And it was again about the word, get ready and prepare yourself because there are four places that I want to walk you through. And then just to add to this, was just listening to a podcast and the title of the podcast or the message theme was, get yourself ready and prepare yourself. 
That was last week. I didn't listen to the message because I thought, I don't want to hear what he has to say. I want to only speak what God has downloaded to me. Because you can be tempted to use a phrase that's really good that others have got, but it's theirs. It's not ours. Am I making sense? So I really do get a sense that God wants us to hear this message today. It's going to be a visionary message, but it's also a challenge if you're here for the first time. Because how many of you want to know? God wants to get you ready. It's not just this life. There's a life to come. Let me ask you a simple question. Are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord to come back again? Are you ready for his return? Are you ready for his calling? He may not come back again, but he may call you. Are you ready? And as a church, there's a, war, there's a word to us. Are we ready? Are we ready for all that he wants to do in our lives? The other thing I want to just say is all this was in my mind. I shared it with the staff. They knew I was going to share this word, so they've heard some points. And then I'm in a community trustee meeting. And Chris Stockdale, who they're not here today, Mr. Chris and Mrs. Chris, unusually for Chris, said to me, I feel I have a word. He whispered to me and I said, well, then share it. He says, I'll do it at the end. So we came to the end and he says, I just feel like I have a word. God gave me a word. And as he began to read it, it'll make sense because he doesn't know what I'm about to preach. He has no idea. All these connecting points our confirmation is if I needed it, that this is the word of the Lord to us here this morning. Now, you'd normally think this would be a great word for September, but it's not because I need to deliver this word and then there's some work that we all need to do over the summer to get ourselves ready for what God wants to do in the coming months, weeks, months, and years. But this was the word of the Lord. And for those who've been around the church, you'll know this has a great significance to us. And I'll read it verbatim in terms of how Chris shared it. And he shared it with great boldness as well. Isaiah 54 verse 2, which is a word that has meant so much to us. He said this, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. This is a word that we were given as a church years ago. And this is what he then felt the Lord say to him. And he literally read it and I'm going to read it. Get ready for expansion. Because the Lord has been to your future and he declares that it is good. When we leased Belfield Street, for those who don't know, it's a factory hub. It was an, a, a massive empty shell of a building. We prepared for God's blessing. And before long, it was filled not only with furniture but also with people who are in need. So much that we leased Woolworths building and now preparations are in hand for helping the community through employment training. The houses are part of our preparation to take care of vulnerable adults, not just the ones we have now, but more in the future. Those we have now have enabled our team to learn how to take care of them and how to deal with the challenges they bring. The first steps in the preparations was the opening of the two charity shops, then the food bank. This was the beginning of getting ready for what was to come and what is still coming. 
Serve day is also part of the preparation. Are you getting the word? For the future in making connections with the community. Listen to this. Everything we do is leading, leading us into something bigger into God's plans and God's blessings. I'll say that again because it's worth reading. Everything we do, everything you do, is leading you into the something bigger that God has prepared for you. The leadership of Arena Church and community have been obedient to the Word of God in enlarging our space, stretching the curtains, lengthening the cords, and strengthening the stakes. I really believe, this is me now, this is the Word of the Lord to us. Thanks be to God. I really do. I really do believe. And if some of you would like to look at that again, I can send that word out. We can send that word out to you. And there are many, many words that have come around recently, but I believe it was just writing the purposes of God because I want to talk about get yourself ready. Before we do that, I want to just take for a moment, just say, well, what does that look like? Well, this is here. You've seen me do this before, but I just wanted to just share this with you a little bit more. I'll quickly move through them. We haven't got time to stop at them all. But approximately in 2018, there are 500 people approximately who call Arena home. We have two campuses, Ilkeston and Mansfield. There's literally hundreds of thousands of pounds that come through our charities and through the church each year that enables us to do what we do. We had last year 100, 100 first-time decisions, and that's what we're believing for this year. We have approximately 30 small groups, Josh, over the two campuses. We have approximately 100 young people in and around the life of the church. We have four houses that we serve vulnerable adults from. And some of you are here, and I say it every time, I love the fact that you're here. I get so excited that you're, you're here amongst us. We get to serve around 5,000 people per month through our community endeavours, the shop, the Woolworths, the food bank, whatever, the meals and all the different things that we do. And approximately at the moment, we're training about 50 leaders per year through leadership track. There's about 50 registered. This is here. Very quickly, you may say, I like here. Here we're doing pretty good. Pat yourself on the back. Go on, do it. You've got us here. You've got us here. You've done really well. But as we're going to see from Joshua, Joshua did really well because he did what Moses couldn't do. He crossed them over. And he could have said, I've done really well. I've brought them over. And God says, that wasn't the deal. You've only just begun. I feel like breaking out into a Karen Carpenter song. (laughs) We've only just begun. I couldn't get the pitch. I didn't know the chord or whatever. But anyway, you may say, I like here. Here's good. Here's, here's, here's where it all happens. I know people. It's nice. It's warm. It's a little bit stretching, but not too much. Come on, Christian. Get a grip. We're helping people. I don't need any more hassle in the houses. I don't need any more hassle in the community. Pastoral team, we don't need any more people because there's issues. Josh, with the small groups, oh no, I don't need any more small group leaders. The guys who lead the youth, have you seen, been down here on a Friday night? We can't handle the ones that we've got. Never mind more, we're happy. Have you ever felt like that? I'm happy, I'm content. But God says, you've only just begun. 
There's so much more for us to walk into. And all this has been preparation, preparedness. It's been a long time of preparation, but this is preparedness, preparation. Because that's here. But when we look at there, oh my goodness. That is Ben and Isaac. I love Christian, Isaac and Ben. Guys, Isaac, Ben, stand to your feet. I love you too. I love you too. You ask them to do one job, one flipping job. There. Let's get you back here. There's here. Let's quickly move because there's some points that places I want to take us to. 2028. Some of you, without me being disrespectful, will probably say we probably won't be here because Jesus will have called us home. And that might be the reality of some people as I look around the congregation. And I want to just say this and I will say it when I get opportunity. I really believe that you have planted seeds and laid bricks in the future. But some of you, many of you are going to be around. Many of you are going to be around. What does it look like? Well, could it be just in 10 years that 5,000 people call Arena Home? Could it be interesting? Josh didn't know what, what he was, as he was saying it. There are 20 campuses instead of two. Instead of hundreds of thousands, there's now millions of pounds. Instead of a hundred first-time decision, we actually have a thousand first-time decision every year across those 20 campuses. Instead of 30 small groups, there's now 300 small groups. Instead of a hundred young people, there's a thousand young people. Instead of four houses, sorry, Debbie, Bob, Amelia, Mandy, there's now 40 houses, okay? Instead of serving 5,000 people per month, we're now serving 50,000 people per month. And instead of training 50 leaders, we're now training 500 leaders per year. This was the thought that I had. I want to be careful. This, I, I, I want to say that the Lord told me because that would be putting too strong a point out. But I did feel a sense that from God, even this morning, that he's just said, Christian, I want you to just put a naught on each item. So if you see, there's just a naught on each one. That is there. This is where we have greater influence. This is where we have greater impact. This is where lives dramatically are transformed and changed. As Josh has said, what would it be like if in this congregation here, there were 600, 700, 800 multiple services around the life of the church? It would be pretty remarkable in a community of 30,000 people, don't you think? Now, I know there's still thousands that need Jesus, but I want to say we'd be really begin to make even more of a mark in our community. Can I just get a big amen? But what is, what is going to get us there? Well, it's a called a place of preparation. And we must go, I believe, through four places if we are going to get there. Let me say these four places that I'm going to talk about, they all are deserving of a week alone. 
But we're just going to summarise. We're just going to headline. You're going to have to do some work on it yourself. And each of these places, they're ongoing. You don't just pass one place and then go to go. They're an ongoing circle. You will keep walking through these places that I'm going to identify in the message this morning. And some of them you'll go through at the same time. You may be doing four in one. Does that make sense? So don't get in your mind, oh, I've gone through one. Now I'm going to go to step two. I'm not talking like that. Although I'm presenting it like that, it's how God takes us through. Is anybody with me this morning? But before we get there, I just need to just share these verses with you. Joshua 3 verse 2. It's going to come up on the screen. Joshua said to the people, to the officers, and he gave orders to the people... When you see the Ark of the Covenant, just for those who aren't from church background, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament represented the presence of God. It was where God dwelt. And what what he was basically saying is, when you see my presence and the priests carrying it, let's move on to verse 3, you are to move out from your positions, underline that and follow it. So it's saying when you see God's presence, if you see God's presence here in arena, you are to say, even though I may not understand it, I identify it as God's presence. I need to get out my chair and I need to start following it. Oh! The presence of God. Whoa! Don't delay. That's what he's saying to them. When you see it, you'll know it. Get out your seats, break camp and start following it. And then he goes on to say to him, then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before. I get a sense in our journey and as we travel, we're going to see some things that we have never seen before. But we want to follow his presence. We need his presence. And so in all these places that Joshua took the people through, that is the key verse. And that key verse has been something that has brought me over these years, has took us into places where we've never been before. Why? Because I've sensed his presence. And I've sensed his voice over my life. Go and get a food bank going. Go and get some houses. Go and take a factory hub. Go and plant a Mansfield. We've never been this way before. Go and buy some buildings. Go and raise a legacy fund. We've never been this way before. Don't worry. Just follow my presence. You'll be okay. Just follow it. And I'll lead you. So in all these places that you're going to go through, the Lord is going to lead you to them. So the first thing I want to take you to is a place of rest and refreshing. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, I like this place. This is a place of rest and refreshing. Joshua 1 verse 2. They'll come up on the screen. The word of the Lord to Joshua was this. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people, get ready. To cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Part of the, part of the getting ready that I could see this was a place of rest and refueling. Why did God need to help them just for a few days to just position themselves and just 
because he knew that the next journey ahead was going to be hard and brutal. He knew that they was going to face some opposition. He knew that there was going to be some walls that were going to need to come down. He knew that there was giants in the land. And he says, you're going to need to fight and contend. He knew that the terrain in the natural would be treacherous and difficult. And he also knew that they were going to be on the move. Now, I'm excited about going away, but we're going to be staying in eight different hotels, which isn't a problem, but we're forever packing suitcases and all the rest of it. You know, we're going to be on the move. We're going to be in the car. We're going to drive in thousands of miles. It's just part of, and you've got to almost pace yourself as well as you're doing that. This is what these guys were on. There was a place that God was drawing them into of rest and refueling. Let me just say this. As the people of God, can I encourage you over this summer to enter into a rest? There is a promise of rest for the body and the spirit and the soul. You may say, I haven't got the money for a holiday. It's actually got nothing to do with a holiday. It's about a position of your spirit. That you're going to enter into a rest. There is a rest that is promised to the people of God. There is a Sabbath rest that we should walk in. That God has promised to us. And one of the things that I have realized if I want to enter into a place of rest and refreshing. Is that I have to eradicate hurry and rush from my life. You can still be effective. You can still be going at some pace. But you don't have to be hurried. And you don't have to be rushed. Can I hear an amen? Amen. There are things that need to be done. So some of you are going to get away. Some of you, the schools are off. You know, you, you haven't got the mad rush of getting them out. I want to encourage you to eradicate the rush and hurry from your life and enter into a rest. Don't misunderstand me. I didn't say an idleness. Don't say for the next seven weeks, I'm not coming to church on Sunday. That would be idle. If you're, if, you're, if you're not away, that would be completely idle. By the way, we won't be here for that period of time, but we're not being idle. Now you may say, how do I enter into real rest? Well, there were two sisters, you'll know, those who know it, there were two sisters in the Bible. Jesus had come to the house. They knew he needed feeding, but Jesus wasn't interested in being fed. He just wanted to be with them. One sat with him. The other was busy doing for him. Me also, what do you want? And then she got very annoyed with the sister. Because the sister was sat there with Jesus and she thought, this is not fair. So this is not fair. Why am I doing all the running around? And she's just sat there with Jesus, that lazy bone idle, you know. And Jesus says to her, listen, she's chose a far better thing. What she's doing is right. There's a story there that we can be so busy and we don't enter into a rest. Let me just quickly give you a Bible verse that'll help you. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, he says this, Jesus, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. I'm helping you to know how you can enter this place of rest. Jesus is saying, come to me. Get away with me. Get up earlier in the morning. Find some time in an afternoon when the kids are out playing on the back garden. Find some time in an evening before you go to sleep. To get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The people of God needed to enter a place of rest and refreshing, a place of refueling. But the second thing that they needed to enter was a place of readjustment. A place of readjustment. You say, oh, I'm not, this sounds a little bit more. I like that rest place. By the way, you can't stay there forever. You have to actually stay there forever because you're forever in him. You understand? But it's not just like this, oh, I'm just going to sit back. Seasons come and seasons go. Summer's a nice season, but we then enter autumn. We then enter winter. We then enter spring. Talk to a farmer. He will tell you about the seasons and how important they are. And at each stage, what you need to do. So we can't just stay there. But there's a place of readjustment. Joshua 3 verse 5. Joshua told the people. So he calls them to the camp and he says, Listen guys, we're moving in three days. Get yourselves ready. When you see the presence of God, you've got to move. But what I need you to do before we do that is you now got to readjust yourself. Because he then says, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow... I'm going to do amazing things amongst you. Put your hand up here. I've asked you this before. Who'd like amazing things, the amazing things of God done for you? Just raise your hand. We all would. This is conditional. Consecrate yourself. Now, what does this consecrate mean? Because it sounds a bit complicated and difficult to me. It basically means this, to clean to wash yourself, talking about your heart, to purify yourself. And what do they mean? Well, in other words, it means set yourself apart. Come away from some of the things that have been distracting you, that have been hounding you, that have been tempting you, that have been drawing you away from Jesus. Come away from those things. You know, it's so easy as a confession. Things can easily slip. You know, you normally don't watch the things. I'm not talking about graphic stuff, but you, you, know, you don't normally watch even just with some behavior and you start to slip into it and it becomes acceptable. The Lord might be saying to some people, come away from those things. Some music that we listen to that we think is acceptable and actually there might be just a word in it and Jesus starts to whisper in our hearts, come away with me. Consecrate yourself to me. Because I want to do those amazing things amongst you. But I can't do that if you're going to remain where you are. Can I hear a yes, amen from anybody here today? And so maybe that hobby, instead of time with Jesus, we just spend time in that hobby, in that music, in that TV, in that place. And this is where God comes to us and says to us in the 21st century, guys, I'm asking you to consecrate yourselves again. I want to do the amazing things amongst you. But I can't do that if you're going to remain here. And God throughout the Bible shows us examples of how he takes people and begins to mold them and begins to break them and begins to pull them into something better and greater. What are some of the things that need adjusting? Our attitudes, our behaviors, those strongly held ideas, those practices... We submit them to Jesus. Thirdly, told you I'd have to be quick. There's a place of rest. There's a place of readjustment. But there's also a place of reassurance. 
Because Joshua 6 verse 2, the Lord says to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho, Jericho into your hands. You must understand, those who don't know the Bible. So he calls them. He, con- he tells them to consecrate themselves. He says, look, I'll go with you. And the first battle that we're going to face was the city of Jericho. It was a military city. And, 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 and God says to, to, to Joshua, this is the city I want you to take. This is, this is the one. And he speaks to him and says, Lord, I have delivered this city into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Sue does a remarkable job with the Bible reading plans. And she sent something through to me that I just loved. And it was a thought that was given to us by a leader that came through. And Sue's done a terrific job, Sue. I I think I emailed you, didn't I say that? Did I not? I'm very sorry. It was remarkable. I did say to Julie, so I'm very sorry for that. Remarkable. Because what she's done, and I'd encourage you in September, we're going to send them out. There's a personal confession, there's an identity confession, and there's a mission confession. And there's three confessions for each day that we confess over ourselves. So that personal may, may, may be, you know, that, that, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That could also be your identity one. You understand there's just Bible verses that we confess over our lives. What is that doing? It's bringing us to a place of reassurance. That what God says, he will do. And this is what needed to happen here. There was a, there was a man who was leading the charge. But in the midst of that, God came to him and said, Listen, Joshua, see, I've delivered them. I've told you before that I would be with you. I've told you before I'll never leave you. I told you before in chapter 1, I'll never forsake you. I told you before that you need to be strong and courageous. I told you before that success would come your way. But I want to remind you, five chapters later, I've delivered this city into your hands. And sometimes we need that place of reassurance, don't we? That God says... I am with you. We've had it this morning that God is faithful. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. There's a place of reassurance. And lastly, there's a place of radical advancement. I've played around with these words because it's all ours and it might just help you to remember them. That place of refreshing, that place of readjustment, That place of reassurance where God says, see, I've delivered them, just go get it. But there then has to be a place where we radically advance. Let me just tell you, at Jericho, on the seventh day, you read it for yourself in Joshua 6, they said it will come down in seven days. For the first six days, he just commanded them, just go walk it once. But on the seventh day, he gave them the instruction, walk it seven times and don't do anything. But on the seventh time, When the trumpet blast is resounded, I just want you to give a big shout of praise. That's how these walls are going to come down. And by the way, these walls, and it's a remarkable thing because people have struggled with this story. But there was archaeologists who found them in the 1900s and they're still, you know, doing what they need to do. And they've realized that what the Bible says lines up with the physical reality in that geographical place. And these stone walls, which date from 8,000 BC, they represent the first technology that can be ascribed unequivocally 
to purely military purposes. So these were military walls. And these walls were at least four metres in height and three metres thick. And they were backed by a watchtower of some eight to nine metres tall. They weren't just a little piddly wall that was put up. These were walls that were big and strong in that day. Can I hear an amen? And God says, when you shout, those walls will come down. Kev, you won't have to blast them. You won't have to bang them. You won't have to hit them. I will do it. All you've got to do with confidence is walk around them. And as they walk around them, it says in verse 20, the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the man gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed And everyone charged straight in and they took the city. By the way, archaeologists say it is as the Bible describes that literally they fell under themselves. What they mean by that is there are theologians who now say that literally as the shout happened, God opened up the earth and the walls literally fell down. That's true. Archaeologists are telling us that. It's not me who's telling it. Literally, as they gave a shout, the earth and the walls went down. Because how they fell. It wasn't just broken down walls, you know, on the side of a country lane. This was literally how it happened. Symmetrically just dropped down into the earth. And they rushed in and they took that city in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What am I talking about? A place of radical advancement. Listen to me. You might be in that place of rest. You might be in that place where you need to consecrate yourself. You might be in that place where you uh, need to have a, a, a significant assurance of, of what God has said to you. But there has to come a place where we say we are going to radically advance. Listen to me. I'm using this phrase, this, this thought to you. This is here. We're not staying here. We're moving here. But I can only move as, as, as a leader. I can only take us there if we will all prepare our hearts. Over this next seven weeks, can I implore you to prepare your heart? To allow God to speak to you. To allow God to say some things to you in that quiet time of rest. To allow God to adjust things in your heart. In readiness for the call to raise a shout. Because at the shout of God, at the instruction of God, the walls come tumbling down. I used to love that Sunday school song, actually, that I used to sing. I'm not going to break out into that. Okay. Radical advancement. So may God help us. Some of you need to hear some of you need to hear this preparation word because you're not ready for God to return. And in a moment we're going to pray. Some of you are ready for God to return. But actually what if God isn't returning at this imminent point? We're not just going to sit back twiddling our thumbs just praying like some would do just announcing his coming. The fact is for 2000 years he's been announcing his coming. I want to be, have my eye on the fact that he could come, but I want to work like we could have another thousand years. Can I hear an amen? Because while we're twiddling our thumbs announcing it and praying about it, there's a whole world that's being lost. 
And I don't want that to happen on my watch while I'm here. Can I hear a big amen? And every one of us has got a part to play. Even you who believed you weren't capable, you weren't equipped, you weren't good enough to be on the field. Even God's going to use you. I don't know who you are, but God's going to use you for his praise and his glory. You are going to see literally many dozens of people come to Jesus through your personal life and personal testimony. This is a time that God will take all of us, the ordinary people, and we're all ordinary, and use us in an extraordinary way. What does he say? Consecrate yourself for tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things amongst you can we all bow our heads in prayer in Jesus name